The following is presented to you in a round sound. It was recorded with whatever was lying around. Lady, don't take no shit. Insist on respect the sister. Walk around like a woman. She won't speak less of something worse. Singing, don't play. The girl take herself so seriously. People stare curiously. She's got a natural way. Her hips sway furiously. Yeah, the luxuriously. Hey, this is Lady Don't Take No, your weekly roundup of all of the real and none of the fake. I'm your host, Alicia Garza. This show is pro-black, pro-queer, proudly feminist, and pro-do-what-you-like. Every week, you're going to get the best of what goes on in my head, what we loving on, and what we hating on, what we might be, and what we ain't going to do. Politics, pop culture, mm, the very beginnings of spring, (laughs) we cover it all. We know that no matter where you are, it's a challenging time, a changing time, a time of transformation. It's all the things all the time nowadays, but we are going to help you understand the dynamics of this time every single week. So be sure to tune in, tell a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We do it for the culture, so the pod is free 99. Because we know that with a country in chaos, the least we could do is keep you from putting your money anywhere else than where it's needed. Wherever you took my head, baby, send it home. Send it on home. I really think I lost my head because it's females on the whole Our guest this week is the National Field Director at Black Voters Matter a power-building organization that works with Black-led organizations, primarily in rural communities, to gain electoral wins to build Black political power. Prior to Black Voters Matter, she was the community and volunteer outreach manager at the New Georgia Project. She credits her great-grandmother, Ollie Mae Charleston, for teaching her why the right to vote is so sacred for all Americans— I definitely got to hear this story. You know I'm going to ask you about it. Please welcome the powerhouse, the homegirl, the hand grenade that is Wanda Mosley. Hey, Wanda. Hey, Alicia. How are you? Oh, I'm so happy to have you on the pod. You have no idea. This has been like weeks in the making, and I love every time I get to just sit in front of you, sit at your feet, and just soak it all up. So that's what we're going to do today. Ditto. Same. All right. Well, let's get into it. So look, when I started this pod to, oh, I guess it's now three years ago, we were talking all about the pandemic, girl. It was like first lockdown, shutdowns. I was in a room in my house with the microphone on a desk, like trying to like communicate to people because we couldn't see nobody. Now we're three years out. Allegedly, the White House is declaring the COVID emergency over. But there's no doubt whether you believe the pandemic is still here or that it's gone somewhere else. There's no doubt that the pandemic has changed our lives indescribably. So I got to ask you, Wanda, what has been the biggest lesson that you have learned during these pandemic years? Never underestimate or take for granted the opportunity to be in a physical space with people. Mm-hmm. I think that you know so much of the work that we do involves community Mm -hmm. and communal gatherings. And we weren't allowed to do that. We couldn't do that if we wanted to keep each other safe. And, you know, at at the time of the pandemic in 2020, 
I was the state manager in Georgia. And most of my work, no, at that time, actually all of my work took place, um, I like to say, south of I-20, if anybody knows anything (laughs) about Atlanta. And Atlanta wasn't even a focus for us, Mm -hmm. the the metro area. It was all rural areas. And so I made constant trips down to southwest Georgia, down to coastal Georgia, down to south Georgia. And I just missed all the folks. Mm -hmm. I just missed like the warm greetings and the hugs that I would receive when I would come and see them. You know, they all think so highly of us at at BVM. They think, oh, you guys are like, yeah, we're just regular people like (laughs) you. Just your cousins from Atlanta. That's all. (laughs) And so, yeah, I really missed that. Mm -hmm. Just being in a physical space with someone, just being able to hug people and say hello and just feel their warmth and their energy. I missed that a lot. Mm. You know, I can really resonate with that. My girlfriends and I took a trip right when it was like the travel opened. We were like, girl, we on the plane, okay? (laughs) You ain't got to tell me twice. And I just remember the first time I got to hug one of my girlfriends who lived in New York that I didn't get to see very often. And I took it for granted. I was like, I'm fine. I don't need hugs. I don't even like people touching me like that. But baby, when Mm. I tell you, I squeezed, Mm. I damn near squeezed her throat out. (laughs) It was so, it's so incredible to realize what it takes for us to be human. Yeah. And I feel like this pandemic really did that for us. Yeah. Speaking of being human, I'm doing this new thing on the pod because I'm troubled by the state of politics in this country. As we all should be. Of course. Mm -hmm. Not just Democrat, Republican. I mean, that's the same bullshit we've been dealing with for years and years and years. But really, I'm troubled by what I think is the emergence or resurgence, I should say, of just like bananas type shit. Like, just shit that's crazy. (laughs) Like, I mean, we are talking about people having child porn rings and pizza shops and, mm. you know, mm. Q, who's running Q and I. Mm. I mean, we are like really so far Lasers down. and laser beams and, We're yeah. Deep in the shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this yeah. is like dystopia. And even amongst all of that nuttiness, there is still kind of a, um, what I call like a, a cementing of people's feet into their side of the issue. This is what I think. This is how I feel. This is the way it is, blah, blah, blah. And we're not getting anything done because people are really deeply fermented in their ideas about how things should be and the way it needs to go. But you and I both know, Wanda, that life and being human is all about changing your mind. And this is not about bipartisan bullshit. I don't care if y'all talk past each other, around each other, whatever, because all y'all got the same interests. So there's that on that. We're going to come back and talk about that in a minute. But I'm talking about what it takes for people to actually be part of communities. We have to be able to change our mind about stuff. So tell me a story about a time when you changed your mind. I want you to think about something you were like deeply, deeply, deeply passionate about. Like, this is the way it is. It's this only way. There ain't no other way. And you changed your mind. What happened and what was it? Wow, that's deep. Mm. I I think the reason that question is challenging for me is that I can be nimble. I can be flexible. I don't know that I, do I ever just really dig my heels in? I'm sure I do, but I can't really 
think of a time. I'm about to come. Can I come back you to that? You can totally come back Ooh. to it. You know, I've heard a whole range of answers. Some people say, well, I'm just like not like that. So I can't tell you a story. Other people be like, oh, I remember. It's how I thought about immigration. Or, you know, I I ta- often tell the story about how I thought about houselessness, right? Because mm. we were internalizing all these messages about why people are poor, why people don't have, right? And always the message is, it's their fault, (laughs) Mm, (laughs) right? mm. So somebody changed my mind about that and it opened up my whole world. Um, We'll come back to it. You keep thinking about it. While we're thinking, um, I just want to, again, say welcome and thank you for coming onto the pod today. It's been a long time coming, like I said. And for everybody who's listening today, I want you to know, Wanda is seriously one of my favorite organizers like in the country. And you are going to understand why after you listen to this episode. And she happens to work with one of my favorite organizations in the country, Black Voters Matter. Imagine that. So let's talk about organizing, Wanda. What is it? Why do we need it? And how did you get your start in organizing? Oh, goodness. It was a long time coming Mm. for me to be in this organizing space. And along the way, you know, I I like to say, you know, for folks who have um, some type of faith or religion that, you know, kind of guides them. For me, I'm a Christian. I like to say that hindsight is, to me, God's 2020 vision, Mm -hmm. right? When you look back at hindsight, you can see all the things that went, that were put in place for you to be where you are at that moment. And so I think about all the different places I've worked and all the different experiences I've had and all the places that I've been that led me to this place. Everything from being a journalist, mm. um, working in the spirits industry. Mm. So learning- <laughs> Liquor. Yeah, liquor. <laughs> liquor. Um, and I, look, the good stuff too. I'm talking Remy, Martin, Hennessy. Yeah. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, they're like, wait, you went from Remy, selling Remy to organizing and building Black political power? Yes. That's the best way to do it. Yes. <laughs> and so along the way, I learned how to be a really good storyteller. Mm-hmm. I learned how to listen and hear yeah. what people were saying. And then be able to kind of jump in and intercede with something that I had to offer, Mm -hmm. right? But by listening and hearing what they said. And so, yeah, telling stories, being able to write and create a plan, Mm -hmm. um, sales, being able to sell. Because what I'm doing as an organizer at Black Voters Matter, I am selling Black people on an idea, a concept. It's not a physical thing, but I'm selling them on this idea of civic engagement. And in a lot of ways, Alicia, I'm selling them a bill of goods Mm -hmm. because this system, along with all the other systems in this country, whether it's financial, Mm -hmm. buying a home, education, any of the systems and institutions in this country were not made for us. So I am asking Black people to buy into some shit that wasn't made for them. Mm -hmm. And, ooh, yeah, so it's like selling snake oil. Mm. (laughs) I got a good story to tell. This is what you're going to get for the basement bargain price of blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And come on, if we all do this, then we're going to get something for it. Mm. Yeah, this is what you're going to get at the end. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are a lot of days when I just have to sit and reflect and think about some things. Mm -hmm. Like, mm, Shout out to to one of my bosses, Cliff, um, hey. our co-founder, executive director. Love me some Cliff. We've had him on the pod. Yes. You know, Cliff calls it um, organizing our folks into a burning building. Sometimes that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. But, you know, th- this is where I am. 
It was a long road to get here, but along the way, all the stops and all the things that I've learned have, I think, made me at least pretty good at it. And so this is clearly what I was meant to do, at least at this point in my life. And I think this is the thing that I will retire from. Mm. I'm really glad that you named the number one contradiction in organizing, which is that we are trying to get people to imagine something and build it that does not yet exist. And all of the conditions in our world make it so that it might not exist. Right? Yeah. So we're telling people, if you get together with your friends and your neighbors, and we all join together and we all do this thing, it's possible, not guaranteed, but it's possible that something can be different. And sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. And that is all part of it. I don't think people really understand that, right? Yeah. And when I think about where we are in the time span of our movement, this iteration of it, you know, I hear people say a lot of times, oh, well, that thing's a scam because they didn't actually make the thing that they said they was going to do. Like, I'll tell you a quick story and I want you to respond to it. I have a friend who has a son who is in school. His son is eight years old. And, you know, it's about to be Black History Month. So, you know, we 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 going into the territory of Harriet, maybe if you're in a good school, Frederick <laughs> Douglass, you know what I mean? Not Rosa Florida. Parks. Listen, <laughs> not Georgia either after I tell you this story. And um, I guess the son came home from school, this was just two days ago, and said, you know, we were learning all about movements. And I, I learned today that the movement for Black Lives Matter is good, but the organization is trash. <laughs> now, <laughs> and, and my friend said, well, why is that? And the, and the child said, well, my teacher said it's because they didn't actually make Black Lives Matter. Now, Wanda, <laughs> you know, I had to end the conversation because I was like, y'all not going to get my pressure up today. Okay. Not on today. But I want to zoom out from BLM because everybody has their opinions about the movement, the organization, blah, blah, blah. We'll get into that another time or maybe never because we done talked about it forever. But I want to talk about this idea of like what people expect from movements and from organizing and from organizers. That's literally like, okay, I'm going to put in my 25 cents into this machine and I'm going to get my candy bar. Is that the way it works or not? Not even close, but you're right. Um, It's interesting because, so like I said earlier, I'm selling a bill of goods. I'm selling an idea, a notion, a thought that if we all come together and exercise this power that we have, and oftentimes I'm telling people, who might make maybe $10 an hour if they got power? Maybe. Maybe. I'm telling them that you got power, and if you do this thing, then you could possibly get these things. Mm-hmm. And it's tough because, especially the places where we organize, our folks are suffering. They are suffering. It is tough for the overwhelming majority of Black people in this country. So the first thing that we do is even though I know I'm, I'm, you know, selling snake oil, I, I don't come in without level setting and saying voting is only one way to build power. I'm, I'm not about to tell you that, you know, you're going to vote yourself to prosperity. We ain't, you it's know, not going a, a big mega now. church on Sunday trying facts to on do facts. one of that stuff, right? 100%. What we say, though, is coming together, 
flexing our collective power. We have an opportunity to make these changes. And we try to drill down and be very specific on whatever issue it is that's plaguing their community, their city, their county, and see how we can start to make the change. But we all know as organizers, anybody that's doing electoral work, that voting is just the first step. But that second step is actually even more difficult because it assumes that our folks have the privilege of time mm-hmm. to be able to go to a city council meeting, a school board meeting. It, it does not consider in the fact that we don't have a livable wage in this country, that a lot of people don't have transportation, and that a lot of the information that we need to even make an informed decision or to even be able to, to participate in the next step of this process, we've been shut out of. So... I'm asking you to believe in something that don't work for us. And then I'm asking you to go do a thing that you might not even have time to go do. But if you can find time when you get there, there's another process that's also a a barrier, a blockade. And and so, yeah, it, it can be tough. And so we try to address as many of those things as possible. You know, it's interesting. I actually found my way to BVM via the aforementioned, I believe, Movement for Black Lives yes, yes. Um, as a fellow um, in their electoral justice league. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, um, I called myself an out-of-work activist. I, I had no real job, um, but I was organizing down on the South Side because there was some crazy, stuff shady on. stuff going mm-hmm. on down there. And one of the things I used to do, is I, first of all, I was open and honest with folks. I was like, all right, y'all, we need to go to the city council meeting. But I'm going to be honest with you, I ain't been the one. Uh, but I got on the internet and here's the date, the time, the location. It says we get two minutes. Right. So let's all come together, meet, talk about what we going to say in our two minutes and who going to say what. So we ain't saying the same thing. Let's do some research. Let's all do this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, in those moments, in those moments of transparency, you know, that again led me to when I came to BVM, none of those things were daunting. And I think that, you know, with our folks, again, we try not to heap a whole lot of expectation on them. We try to come to them in a sense and a voice and a tone that's real to say what it is that we can possibly do and how we can start to move hearts and minds of elected officials who could possibly put something in place that either will benefit us or at this day and age, sadly, just help keep us alive. So look, Wanda, here we are. The endless election cycle of 2022 is over. (laughs) The yard signs have come down. The text messages, the phone calls, the commercials have ended. Now, a lot of people, myself included, expect that we're not going to hear from nobody again until somebody wants something from us. In fact, I was thinking that. And then yesterday, this little white man came and knocked on my door from the Democratic Party of Georgia Talk about, can you give money to Georgia Democratic Party? I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give it to Black Voters Matter, but I appreciate what you're doing. You don't need to be in this neighborhood because everybody in this neighborhood vote, but I appreciate what you're doing because I'm not going to hear from nobody else. Mm -hmm. So I want to understand, what is the work that BVM does between election cycles? Because what happens to Black people? Once we're not popular, once people don't want us to do nothing, then what? Well. We still love Black people. Um, (laughs) All year round, 365. Yes, and 365 days a year, we do organizing, right? And so our organizing, 
doesn't look that much different than it does when there's an election. And I think that people appreciate that consistency, the way that we show up in the community. Um, So first and foremost, our work is created in such a way that we are uplifting leaders in the community, people who have been doing work, honestly, before this version of BVM even existed. So these are folks like the folks um, over in Galveston, Texas, the Givers, Mm. right? Um, the Afia Center up in Dallas, Miss um, Marletta up in Michigan, uh, Reverend Ezekiel Holly down in Dawson, Georgia, um, my sister Mika over in South Carolina. You know, all these different amazing community leaders, right? Some of them with an organization, quote unquote, that has a name and a 501c3, and maybe they got a Facebook page. And, and then some are people who were just doing work in the community because it needed to be done. And so our goal is to build capacity and offer resources to all of these wonderful people because we could go in and hire a bunch of people and train them to do the work, but we don't need to. There are already people on the ground doing work. And so the vision, the genius that is Black Voters Matter is supporting people who are already doing work because at the end of the day, building that infrastructure, it benefits all of us. It makes us all stronger. And so being able to go in and be in community with these folks is a gift Mm -hmm. because we learn along the way. All of the state managers and regional organizers, our comms team, our development team, our travel and logistics team, everybody gets to learn from these folks in the community. And so by going in and supporting their work, again, we're on the ground 365 days a year. We dare not come into your community a couple months before an election and be like, hey, we back. Hey, cousin, how you doing? No, Mm-mm. no, no. Nope. Get our feelings hurt real quick. Real quick. Um, so we're still texting. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're still doing some phone banking. Um, we're still knocking on doors. But I will say our phone banks are a little different because at this time, you know, this is an opportunity for us to call and do a check-in with somebody, right? So the, the phone bank script might be something like, hey, my name is Wanda. Is this Alicia? Mm-hmm. And you might say, yeah, hey, Alicia, girl, how you doing? My name is Wanda with Black Voters Matter. Just call in and check in and see how you and your folks doing. Y'all doing okay? Mm-hmm. And throughout this conversation, all I'm going to ask you about are the things that are happening in your community, in your neighborhood. What changes do you want to see? What issues are important to you? And I am not going to mention voting. I'm not going to ask if you're registered to vote. I'm not going to talk about an election. I literally just want to check in and hear from you. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then we take that information, we gather that, We tally it up. And then when we get to the next election and we make a a door hanger, a push card that we use when we go out, that our folks use when they go out in the community, it's going to have all of those things that you mentioned on the phone call. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a little blurb at the top that says, hey, Baldwin County in Georgia, or hey, Tarrant County in Texas. We talked to 10,000 Black people across the state, and you told us these things are important. These issues are important. Well, these things are on the ballot. So let's talk about how we can make change, how we can affect change on these things, whether mm-hmm. it's housing, right? Whether it's access to clean drinking water, whether it's fixing the grid in Texas, whether it's environmental justice concerns in South Carolina or Michigan, whether it's clean air in Louisiana. Any of those things that you told us, connect up with us. Let's squat up. Let's mm-hmm. see what we can do to come up with solutions that we can then take to these people that we helped put into office. And we should remind them that they work for us. So we're their employers. So now it's time for you to have a, a review of mm-hmm. your work. And here's mm-hmm. some suggestions on your job performance. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. 
And we did show up and show out. I think all of us maybe hoped there was a different story coming out of Georgia, but I'm actually happy about the story that came out of Georgia because Black folks showed up. Black folks did what we needed to do as per usual. And it's not about the fact that we didn't get Stacey elected because we continued to build infrastructure, right? And that infrastructure, as I know, is as close to me as I can, that infrastructure is already in motion to hold Brian Kemp accountable to all the stuff he's talking about he's been to do. So there's that on that. We now have a new Congress. Republicans have changed the balance of power in the House of Representatives. Democrats took control of the Senate, largely because of Black people. In addition, we know there's been some high-profile murders of Black people by police already. I mean, we're only two months into the year, child. Keenan Anderson in Los Angeles killed at a traffic stop. That's my sister, Patrice's cousin. And Tyree Nichols in Memphis, Tennessee. And I don't got to say nothing about all that because that's all that's been on the news for the last couple of weeks. So given all that, Wanda, what are Black voters looking for from this Congress? And what's it going to take to get it? Because, you know, I've been watching the TV And I'm going to talk about people because I can do that because it's my podcast. (laughs) You know, I told my girlfriend last night, the window closed. Used to be in 2020, I could turn on the TV and all I'd see is Black people. Black people talking, Black commentators, Black activists on the TV, really giving the real. Now we back to white people, Mm. law enforcement, and traditional civil rights leaders. Mm. And the message that I kept hearing on the TV was policing isn't broken. I kept hearing things like, well, we got to hold Black people accountable the same way we hold white people accountable because police violence isn't just about white people (laughs) killing Black people. I'm so glad I I have this tea. You know, and I was like, yes, the fuck it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Don't don't be rewriting (laughs) shit. Don't. Now, y'all, y'all had your kente cloth on and your fists up and you were on one knee with all the rest of these people. So you know exactly what we're talking about. Don't get amnesia. I don't care if it's Black people on TV or white people on TV. Stay consistent. Now, what I know from being able to do work with incredible people like you and incredible organizations like Black Voters Matter is that Black people want to see action on police violence. And it ain't no damn um, just because it was Black people who killed a Black person, you got to hold... No, that's not the issue. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to hear from you, Wanda, because people already know what the fuck I think about this. That's why That's why y'all don't want me on MSNBC, because I'm going to blow up your <laughs> airwaves. That's just a fact. But what is it? what is it that Black people are expecting from this Congress? Is it more training? Is it, you know, all this other nonsense people are talking about? Or is there something else? I don't think we expect a damn thing from this Congress. <laughs> if we can come out of, what is it, the hundred and whatever number, whatever it whatever is. If, uh, Congress of the United States House of Representatives unscathed, it'll be a good day. Maybe. And so for us, during these odd years, which some people like to call an off year, mm. we are trying to sort of, you know, re rephrase and retrain folks to say that this isn't an off year. This is a local year. Mm. And so we want folks to focus hyper local. Mm. We, um, you know, Honestly, we value local elections in a lot of ways even more than the federal, than midterm or presidential years. Mm-hmm. But because we are um, party to the, the nonprofit industrial complex, mm-hmm. 
you know, money is always going to flow on midterm and presidential years a lot thicker than it does on the quote unquote local years, right? right? So we want to focus on local years, local elections. We know that this is where we have a chance to build real power Mm. in all the little pockets and communities and neighborhoods where we make up the majority or close to a majority Mm. is where we can elect a city council person, a county commissioner, Mm. a school board person. Mm. This is where we can start to chip away and gather and gain some power for Mm. our communities. Mm -hmm. And if and when we have the chance to put good people in office and those people can not be confined by uh, the job description that's written in the charter or whatever it is and go beyond that and exercise some real creative leadership. Like, you know, maybe it's a city council person who can find like a work study program and introduce it to some folks in the school and that's in their district, something like that. Something, you know, again, that, that does, they don't allow themselves to be constrained by their job description, but they exercise actual leadership. This is an opportunity for us to be heard by people who are in our community and who govern our communities. And so that's always our charge for our folks. Let's go real local where we have power and where we can actually start to build some things. Mm -hmm. I love this. So for all y'all listening, um, local means state too. Feel me? I got one more question for you. I mean, honestly, I could talk to you all day. But look, you and I have been in this work for a while and we've heard it all. All the reasons why people don't vote, all the reasons why people don't want to participate. I get it. And to be honest, I feel it sometimes. I vote in every election because for me personally, not doing something is stressful for me. And it's more stressful than doing something and not getting exactly what I want. That's me. Times are hard right now. So I can't like sit out nothing. But There's a lot of people, because times are hard right now, because politics are crazy, there's a lot of people that feel hopeless about voting, and they are happy to let the process happen without them. Now, I have talked to people who have said things like, withholding my vote is a form of protest. Voting ain't got shit to do with me. It doesn't impact my life in any way. I'm just here to like do the thing that I'm good at, and that's it. You told me that your grandmother taught you the importance of voting. So with those lessons in hand, Wanda, what is it that you say to people who say, I'm just not going to do it because it ain't got shit to do with me? So first and foremost, whatever reason they give me for not wanting to vote, I acknowledge it. I'm not going to step on or talk down or over whatever that thing is that keeps you from voting. First and foremost, I'm going to acknowledge that because the choice to participate is just that. It's a choice. That's right. It's a choice. And I have to respect that. And then the next thing is I'm going to keep engaging in the conversation and listening and hearing and thinking maybe there's something that they will say or share with me that I can use to make a connection with them to maybe get them interested in voting and maybe interested in some part of civic engagement. You know, we've, I think for, for so many years, decades, forever, I guess, 
there have been too many folks who have tried to use the legacy of the civil rights movement Oof. as a reason why you just have to go and vote. You mean like your ancestors yeah, died, died for, your for right. their rights? It's not true, y'all. Stop telling that damn lie. Well, and, It's and, not true. And, and, and even if it was, sadly, Black death is way too common for that to actually even, I think, okay. touch a lot of people now. This is what I'm saying, though. Martin Luther King was assassinated, bro. He didn't, it wasn't, <laughs> like, I need y'all to stop saying that shit. And also, our people, People died for our right to be self-determined. Yes. They they fought for something a little bit bigger than just being able to go Thank the first Tuesday you. in November to you go <laughs> to, and stand in line, which is Sunday Straight best, to up. go vote. Straight up. You know, again, that being said, this notion that we can guilt people into participation is flawed on so many levels. But, you know, if, if, if nothing else, the pandemic made a lot of people be still, sit and watch. And a lot of America saw things that they didn't believe were happening, even though we kept saying, we've been saying forever that police are killing Black people Mm -hmm. left, right, and center. Unarmed Black people. Black people ain't done nothing. But then you saw it. So many people saw George Floyd's life end on a Facebook Live. Philando Castile, they saw him expire. They saw him transition on a Facebook Live. And so that is not, the pathway or the gateway to get someone to want to participate in a system, again, that we know wasn't made for us. So if you can continue to first and foremost acknowledge, right? So hopefully I've broken down a barrier that you might want to continue talking with me. Um, I remember having a conversation with the brother. He was like, yeah, no, I'm in that voting thing. That ain't really my thing. I was like, no, no, brother, I get it. I get it. It's frustrating. You know, I get it. You know, but but let me just ask you some questions. You know, what are some things you'd, you'd like to see changed? Um, I'm trying to remember, this was like a long time ago when I first started a New George Project. I don't actually remember what he said, but this was during the time when the Flint water crisis was making huge, huge, huge uh, headlines, big headlines everywhere. And so this was a brother that had locks, right? So if you also know how to read a room, um, you know, he had locks and I think he had like a crystal on him. Mm. So I'm thinking of his personality mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, the kinds of things that he likes and some of the things that he does. And so I asked him, I said, let me ask you this, bro. Um, is clean drinking water important to you? He was like, yeah. I said, you heard about what happened up in Flint? He was like, yeah, no, it's a shame. It's a mess. See, government just messing up things, messing up. All. I was like, yeah, you're right. I said, I want to just mention to you that, you know, by not being registered and not voting, you missed out on an opportunity to participate in a sales tax that was on the ballot in the city of Atlanta to create a fund so that the city has a reserve of clean drinking water should there be a natural disaster. So Mm -hmm. this was something that had been on the ballot, I think, the year before. And he said, hmm. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. So elections are not always about politicians. Mm -hmm. It's not always about people. Mm -hmm. It's about our quality of life. And for me, I would say, I'm going to go ahead and get registered. And if I hear about a thing, whatever it might be, that resonates with me, that I might want to weigh in on and have some say on, I'm already registered and I can go do it. Now, I would ask and encourage you to vote for everything on the ballot. But if you went and you just voted for that one thing, well, then you did a thing on that day to make sure that there's going to be some clean drinking water. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to go ahead and register. I like that. I said, all right, yeah, go ahead and register. Uh, and then next time something comes up, you ready, bro? I like this. Elections are not always about politicians. 
And they're not only about no, politicians. No, and they really shouldn't be. But, you know, again, the way the system is created with, you know, personality or just a lot of money to act like that personality or people who create a persona. Because, yeah. ooh, all these fake Southern accents with these folks. Maybe. I can't. Look, ooh, that, could can. be a whole nother, that could be a whole nother podcast. Yes. Maybe a whole nother episode. <laughs> yeah. You're only Southern when you need something. Mm. So. From Southerners, huh? <laughs> yeah. Huh. And just like that, it's time for our weekly roundup of all the things Lady Just Ain't Gonna Do this week. Number one, Bobby Caldwell dead at 71. Man, all the greats are like, fuck this world and everything in it. (laughs) I get it, Bobby. I get it. Now, Bobby Caldwell, the infamous singer of one of the greatest songs to ever do it, What You Won't Do For Love, died this week at the age of 71 after a very long illness. Now, Bobby Caldwell is not only famous for being a badass crooning motherfucker. He is beloved in Black communities for being the Blackest white man that any of us know. Now, really and truly, there are all kinds of weird-ass ways that white people get Black credibility. I mean, think Justin Timberlake and Justin Bieber, Bill Clinton, and so on. I mean, the former president got Black credibility from Black people because he played the saxophone and then subsequently put more Black people in jail than any other time in U.S. history, but we digress. But Bobby Caldwell wasn't on no Bill Clinton-type shit. Now, trust me, Bill Clinton was not the first Black president. He really wasn't. I don't know. You guys got to stop saying that shit. Ain't no Black people made babies to Bill Clinton. But I bet a grip of y'all were conceived to Bobby Caldwell. And every Black person can tell you how old they were when they learned that Bobby Caldwell was a whole-ass white man. Tina Marie and Michael McDonald, too. Anyway, may his soul rest and may his memory be a blessing and long live the old version of Blue-Eyed Soul. Other things Lady just ain't gonna do this week is that an independent autopsy finds that Cop City activist was shot 14 times while seated cross-legged with their hands up. Now, the results of an independent autopsy conducted after the murder of an environmental activist are in, and they're certainly damning. In January, Manuel Esteban Paez Teran, known to their friends as Tortuguita or Tort, was killed by Atlanta police while they were trying to clear an encampment set up to protest Atlanta's police training campus, which has come to be known as Cop City. Now, you know the drill. Police said they had guns pulled on them, and so they fired back. But an independent autopsy shows that what had actually happened was that the activist was sitting on the ground, cross-legged with their hands up, when they were shot 14 times by multiple officers, including in the face. There's a lot here to be concerned about. And truth be told, wherever you stand on whether or not the city should spend millions of dollars on this facility— What absolutely must happen is a swift and thorough investigation into what appears to have been an execution. Freedom of speech much, Atlanta? I mean, are we really saying that it's okay to execute a person because they're exercising their First Amendment right to protest? I mean, look, wherever you stand on this, people on all sides of the aisle should be against this part of it. Other things Lady just ain't going to do this week is a judge in Texas could make a decision that leads to a ban of the abortion pill. In this week's installment of What in the Entire Fuck, 
a judge in Texas heard arguments this week that could effectively overturn the FDA's approval of the abortion pill, the impact of which would affect millions of women across the United States. Now, the litigants are basically trying to argue that the pill is unsafe and that it takes away the ability of doctors to provide care to pregnant women. And the defendants are arguing that it would be unprecedented for a judge to overturn science. I mean, for fuck's sake, who knows this stuff better? The judge or the Federal Food and Drug Administration? Now, not to mention that this medicine has been used safely for the better part of 30 years. But this is on brand for these folks who are unabashed about, I don't know, you know, believing in science. I don't know. I mean, I'm growing increasingly tired of being held hostage by these folks. But if I'm being honest, I think we're in for this version of the battle for years to come. And as always, it's not predestined. You all who are listening can do something about this if it boils your blood the way it does mine. Okay, let's get to what we want more of this week, though. Y'all ready for this? Number one, the Biden administration takes action on gun control through new executive orders. Now, one thing Lady loves about the lead up to elections is that you can always see who an administration is trying to appeal to or who they feel accountable to by the issues that they champion. And I got to give this one up to the administration. They have been listening to organizers and advocates since day one about gun control. And Lady thinks this could also make very, very, very strong inroads with Black voters. Now, honestly, I know Pastor Mike McBride and the team at Live Free, for example, have been on the ass, boy. And we are grateful. Gun violence is an American phenomenon. And to be real, we're talking about gun violence as if it's only what happens when white children get shot up at a school. But gun violence is also what happens when kids in the hood carry guns and shoot each other. One provokes the reaction of placing more restrictions on gun sales, and the other provokes the reaction of spending billions of dollars on police. Stay woke, as they say. Other things that Lady loves this week, Little Richard documentary slated to hit theaters April 21st. Now, Lady has been watching several documentaries lately, thanks to too much time on planes, and also a Jeopardy-fueled curiosity about how it is that certain people became who they are to us. Now, I watched a documentary recently on Sheryl Crow, a biopic on James Brown starring Chadwick Boseman, May He Rest in Peace and Rise in Power. Also, I highly recommend the biopic, by the way. And that's why I'm excited about this documentary that's set to come out on Little Richard in April. Now, Little Richard, as you may know, notoriously was private about pretty much everything, but also was an absolute musical genius and influenced everything we know about music today. We also know, of course, that there was a lot of speculation about Little Richard's sexuality. And from what we know about his life, it seems he himself was doing a lot of speculation, too. The documentary includes many of his friends and accomplices. And I, for one, cannot wait. Bring it on. We want more of this documentary business. Other things that Lady absolutely loves, and literally throw this at the top of the list, is Daylight Savings Time, which has made everything bright again. Now, glorious spring is trying to spring as we speak, and the days are getting longer as the nights get shorter. This is Lady's favorite time of year. It's the time when we spring our clocks forward and complain about why we can't just keep them there for the rest of the year like normal people. Lady hopes that you too have been noticing that the sun is fading around 7.30 p.m. instead of 5 p.m. 
the way the trees are releasing new leaves and loads of pollen, and the way the birds are back to doing what they do best and singing for their life, honey. And I don't know if it's just me, but it's feeling like just about anything is possible in springtime. So, my dear listeners, I hope that you are enjoying this change of seasons, making the most of it, and making the best of it. Welcome back to Ladies Love Notes, where we give you all of the real about being newly single and dating in your 40s. Now, all right, y'all. This week, I am bringing you the real story of how I finally broke my stalemate and joined a dating app. And no, 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 no. I'm not telling y'all which app because it really doesn't matter. It really, really doesn't. Dating apps are dating apps are dating apps. So why do it? Why did I do it? Well, let me tell you. I Honestly, I really didn't want to. I am still very much a hopeless romantic who believes that one day I'm going to meet somebody at the grocery store or on an airplane where I'm spending lots and lots of time these days. But real talk, I kind of had to admit to myself that really and truly these days, most of what I'm doing is working at home in front of a computer. I use apps to grocery shop. And as many planes as I'm on, meeting someone in the airport or on a plane would likely mean that I'm meeting someone like me who works a lot or doesn't live where I live. I mean, my therapist has been saying that we're trying to meet someone who can meet me. And for me, what that means is someone I can depend on, someone I can trust, someone who makes me feel safe enough to put my weapons down, someone with whom, I don't know, I might consider Netflix and chilling rather than proposal writing and relationships I might want to build other than the ones on my team and, you know, with the people I want to work with to build Black political power. I might consider something else. Maybe even someone who takes stuff off my plate, like somebody who likes to plan things and doesn't make me even have to make more decisions than I already have to make every single day. That's what I'm looking for. Now, my therapist also says I should think about where I want to meet people who I think can meet me. And truth be told, I don't fucking know. I have no idea. I'm not sure if I want to date movement people. I'm pretty sure I don't, but I don't know. It's just a lot of work. And honestly, too many people ain't dealt with their own shit, okay? So after the seventh time of gently recommending that I might try an app, I bit the bullet and I fucking did it. Now, On dating apps, allegedly people are there for hookups and relationships and everything in between. You know, you make a profile and then you just jump and you wait and you scroll and you wait and you read other people's profiles and you wait. But here's the thing. Even though I was dead ass against being on the apps, I've actually come to appreciate it for a couple of reasons. Now, first and foremost, you're meeting people, and this is accomplishing one of my objectives as well. It's been a few weeks now, and already I've met a few people with whom, even if the whole romantic thing doesn't work out, I might could be down to like kick it with them and just hang out. I've been meeting some cool ass people. Second, dating apps really actually truly force you to get clear about what it is that you're looking for and how you'll know if you get it. And it's pretty fast. I mean, the thing is, other people on these apps are also getting clear or they're already clear about what they're looking for. And so, I don't know, suddenly there you are, like thrown out into the battlefield and it's fucking everybody for themselves. I mean, are you looking to hook up? Are you looking for something serious? Do you want kids? 
Do you want to be with someone who has kids? What's the age range you're looking for? I mean, there's a lot of shit you got to figure out. Now, here in my little neck of the woods, there's some things I know faux show I don't want or that I'm like very wary of. Number one, the bald head and beard look. I mean, is everybody on that shit right now? Because to be honest, I'm finding like it's a little played out. I mean, if you can grow hair, get you some. Stand out a little bit. I mean, I'm already missing the days of the fade, okay? Two-toned brim hats, those are yesteryear. And truth be told, they're really not for everybody. Not everybody needs one of them hats. And a word to the wise, a pinky ring coupled with a fur coat equals a no for me. And let's be honest, what really is Taco Tuesday if you don't live in California? Okay, come on now. And don't tell me you love tequila if your tequila of choice is 1800 anything. It's rough out there. But truth be told, I'm kind of into the shit. I mean, you have a lot of choice around what you gonna do and what you ain't gonna do. You can be active or you cannot be active. And it even pushes you to kind of rethink your expectations. I might could even ask somebody out. Who knows? We shall see. And so for me personally, it's actually forcing me to deal with some things that I now have an opportunity to like leave behind. As I emerge from my cocoon and as I'm coming out of my nesting phase, it's forcing me to figure out what I do when I meet someone that I actually could like. I mean, I said yes to a date and honestly, it's been a minute since I did that. Not to say I haven't been meeting people, but I have kind of been on this like, I'm here for a good time, not a long time thing. You know, you catch my drift. It's nice to feel the anticipation of meeting someone that you've been talking to and vibing with and actually seeing if it's really a match or if it's not. Downsides. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of fucking work to keep up conversations with a whole wide range of people. And I don't really like to talk on the phone, so there's that, right? Like, these people be wanting to phone call and video call you to death, honey. Now, if I enter into another conversation with someone... I try to keep it up because it's weird to start and stop talking with somebody, especially in the beginning. Like, you kind of want to just like, see, are we vibing? Are we not vibing? What's happening? But also, don't get on the apps if you're not in the right frame of mind. Now, this shit kind of requires that you remain hopeful that matches are possible. But if you're like feeling down in the dirt about the prospects of dating, stay the fuck off the apps until you're having a better day because without a sense of humor, this shit will make you want to wither. Case in point, the other day, I was on my usual Sunday routine. I was laid up in the bed with the Sunday paper and my coffee, and I had some music playing. It was cute, you know what I'm saying? And I was chatting with somebody on the app, and they asked me what I was doing. So I told them, I'm reading the newspaper, laying in the bed with my coffee. Don't you notice, man said, do they still make those? Now, needless to say, it wasn't a match, child. If you want to be with a queen, you better be ready to lay up in the damn bed for several hours on a Sunday with coffee and the newspaper, period. And yes, they do fucking make newspapers, bro. But at the very least, I need you to actually just like read things with pages that you can turn in real life. (laughs) In any case, all of this to say that this dating shit is hard work. But who knows? My thoughts on this today are that the apps consolidate all the work of meeting someone figuring out what you want and matching you with people that might be compatible with you in one place or another. And you can come back to it as often or as little as you like. I may not meet my soulmate on an airplane, but who knows? I may not meet my damn soulmate on an app. Maybe I'll have some luck, though. 
I'm going to keep y'all posted. I could go on all day. We have so much more to talk about, but we'll just have to have you back on the pod. Yes. In the meantime, please tell people how they can follow you and your incredible work on the socials. Yes. So you can connect with Black Voters Matter um, across all social platforms at Black Voters MTR. Mm -hmm. Black Voters MTR across all platforms on social media. I don't really tweet, but I'm on the Twitter for now. <laughs> for now. Uh, WMosley23, <laughs> W-M-O-S-L-E-Y-2-3 on the Twitter. I retweet some good stuff from folks like, you know, you and um, our friend Jason Johnson uh-huh. and, you know, Cliff Albright's and Natasha Browns of the world, yeah, you know, yeah. folks like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's where we are. Excellent. It's been so good to have you, Wanda. Thank you for joining us. And please, y'all, you heard my sis. It's the local year's that have the least resources, but the local politics are the most important. So you do the math. Blackvotersmatter.org to make your donation. Black I'm Voters Matter Fund. Blackvotersmatterfund.org to make the donation. I'm going to make my shameless plug because, you know, I care about what happens in my neighborhood and I know you do too. Thank you so much, Wanda. We love you. This is my pleasure. I love you too, sister. Yay! That's it for Lady Don't Take No, but I will be back next week for real this time with a new conversation and some more news you can use. We appreciate you joining us and please let's keep the conversation going. Tell us what's on your mind, tell us what you like, and tell us what you ain't gonna take no more of. Go to Lady Don't Take No on Instagram and click in the little bio and you can send us your questions. On Twitter, we're at Lady Take. On Insta, we're at Lady Don't Take No Pod. And we're also on Facebook at Lady Don't Take No Podcast by Alicia Garza. We totally appreciate it when you subscribe and write us a review. So now that we're back, let the people know what you've heard here today. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our incredible theme is Bioterics. This pod is supported by the Black Futures Lab. And me, I'm your host, Alicia Garza. Remember, I can respect it if abortion is not for you. But can y'all stop being obtuse and leave people the fuck alone who really like need to do it for whatever reason they need to do it for? The world really does need another Little Richard documentary. And so we are all the way here for that. We are happy that the Biden administration is doing more executive orders on gun control since Congress be slow and shit. But remember, we need Biden to have that same energy for black communities as he has for white ones. And spring finna spring, so get ready, because here she comes. That's right, I said it, because lady don't take no. Lady don't take no, she insists don't respect the sister, walk around like a woman is. She won't speak, less it's something worse, saying don't play. The girl take herself so seriously, people stare curiously. She's got a natural way, her hips sway furiously. Love y'all. Love y'all.